0: You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 39, and today we're going to be uncovering the mystical land of SEO, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom, and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the first episode for 2019. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I truly hope you had a wonderful holiday season and that you are ready to rock an amazing, or what I feel, what I know is going to be an amazing year for you in your business. We're starting off this year with a topic which is Not understood by very many people. We're talking about SEO or search engine optimization. And we're welcoming Meg Clark, who is the founder of Clapping Dog Media. And she's an expert at connecting the dots of data to get your business found. So let's jump straight into it. And I introduce you to Meg Clark. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Meg. It is so wonderful to have you joining us here today.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you and uncovering the mystical land of SEO. I think it's one of those things that we all have heard of And not very many of us understand. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, I'm so glad you said that because I am on a mission. That is my mission in this industry to take away that those connotations, that negative connotations, those scary connotations, and just make SEO understandable and relatable to business owners.
0: So, yay. I love it. I love it. Anyone that wants to try and make something easy already has my tick of approval. So we're talking about SEO, which for the uninitiated is a search engine optimization. Tell us just a little bit, Meg, about how you got to be here. Before we dive into the The rabbit hole. How did you get to be an SEO expert?
1: Well, I started out my career as a designer. I was a graphic designer and a web designer. I worked at agencies here in the United States. And then once my husband and I had children, I came home and um, was working from home. And, you know, I was, I loved design. I did branding design and web design. And I had this one project in particular that was really the pit the the turning point for me um, when I was freelancing there was a website that where the product or the service was really excellent this in fact had to be was a a running coach and she was you know training weekend runners weekend warriors to to run a faster ten k and half marathon and she was really excellent she was actually pretty well known within the distant running world and so she we with her. We had a really big name. We also had people knew her, and she had really she had really great services to offer. She certainly wasn't starting from scratch. And so I came in and I designed a really great looking website. It looked great. It was a very successful design site for her and for her services. And we were all we were excited about it. You know, we were excited to hit that to hit that proverbial button and hit mm. launch. And when we did, no one came.
0: yeah. And how often do we hear that story?
1: Right. And I was really perplexed, and she really needed this to work. She you know, she was in a, just a position in life where it really needed it to she really needed it to work, the side hustle. And I really liked her. I really, you know, felt for her as a person, and I really wanted it to work. And so we were really perplexed because she had a great name and great services and beautiful design, but yet, she had no traffic. And it was her site in particular that kind that caused me to dig into SEO, why people come to your site, how do you get them to come to your site? How do you track them? Kind of and went down that rabbit hole of understanding analytics and traffic and how search works. And I used her site as an experiment and you know, tried a bunch of stuff got penalized a couple of times, but was able to fix it. And I am happy to say that she is running a super successful business right now. She has a lot of really wonderful runners under her belt. And the site is actually still up, even though it was, we're going on five to six years now.
0: Yay. I love a good success story. <laughs> and I love it that, you know, that you were doing something and you saw a problem in, some, in something else. And I think as entrepreneurs, that's something that a lot of us do. And that's how we got to where we are. It's not usually a straight line from A to B. It's working and doing something and seeing a different problem. And inherently, we want to fix things know, we want to make things better and that's how we end up where we are. So I love that story. So SEO, can you explain to us in layman's terms what it actually is? I think that's a really great place to start.
1: Absolutely. So I define search engine optimization as a series of little tips and techniques that you can do on your website so that you can be more recognizable by search engines. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's the way that you write your content, the way you set up your pages, the way you kind of the way you do your business so that Google can, Google and users can easily crawl and read your site and quickly figure out who and what you're
0: all about. Perfect. Nice and easy. So I guess my first question is, at what stage of business should we be paying attention to SEO? Are we playing the short game or the long game here?
1: That's a great question. You know, SEO is certainly long-term. There's nothing that you can do within your SEO strategy or plan that's going to turn changes overnight. This is really my advice to business owners who are out there going, yikes, I have not thought about SEO. When and, and how should we implement it? One of my biggest recommendations in terms of timing is, that like that old Chinese proverb when, about when you should plant a tree. You <laughs> should probably have started 20 years ago, but the next best time is tomorrow or today, you know? Yeah. But in reality, when we're all kind of starting our business and we're scrapping things together and we're trying to get clients – um, I think a really great time to start an S- to start working with an SEO is maybe one or two years after you've started, after you've built up an archive of content and blog mm-hmm. posts, news articles, podcasts, things that, will, that we can kind of sink our teeth in, so to speak, in terms of keywords. And once you're at the point where you want to grow beyond referral traffic, Most of us get clients from previous clients or referrals. And once you're at the point in your business where you literally want people to come to you from the internet, you want to expand your audience, that's a really great time to start thinking about an SEO strategy.
0: What are some of the problems that you see when people first begin or they're transitioning into paying attention to their SEO? Because I know that this can, you know, you talked about them being in, us being, you know, one or two years in business and then we've got content, but if we're unaware even how to create our content so that it is positioned for SEO purposes, is there something that we can think about before we're really starting to work on our SEO strategy?
1: Absolutely. You know, one thing that I, I, I like to emphasize with, with people is that SEO doesn't happen in a vacuum. hmm SEO is kind of the umbrella that fits over your content marketing strategy, your social strategy, your your branding, and your just your overall vision and goals as a business. It plays a little part in all of those things. It is not something that's kind of done in isolation. And so when I start working with somebody and if there are problems that pop up, one of the biggest problems is something that we talked about in the beginning is this mindset around SEO. It's not something that you just do and then it's fixed and then your business is just getting you know loads and loads of, of traffic from Google. It's something that you think about and, and you think about how it can apply to all of your aspects of business. Mm-hmm. good business is good seo
0: i love that so why should we start incorporating these seo strategies into our business
1: sure and we can i'm happy to get down into the weeds and talk about specific strategies some of the things that we like to do for google is be really consistent in our messaging and what you talk about it plays a really big role like i mentioned in your business and in your content strategy Google wants to be able to quickly think about you in their cache of memory as what kind of business you are, what those keywords are that people are frequently searching for you on. And then they're thinking again about some of those main cornerstone pieces of content that people search for and then click on again and again. So when you begin to kind of holistically think about your your strategy, one of the things I really recommend is that you kind of, you narrow down what you write about and you make sure it's really specific to what you want to be found for. You get keywords in there that really, like brand keywords, that really tell who you are. And then we, we incorporate those words throughout your content throughout the content on your site, throughout your blog posts, and then we hit it up again in your your social strategy so that when Google looks at you or search engines look at you as a brand, they're quickly able to identify and figure out who and what you're all about.
0: I didn't actually realize that it had anything to do with your social strategy as well. I've learned something fantastic already.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, social is not is a is an indirect indicator of your SEO in general. Google mm-hmm. will look at you across the web. And so if you have a brand, like we can take my brand, Clapping Dog Media. And so on my website, I talk a lot about SEO and SEO tips and content marketing strategies and Google Analytics. And now if Google then looks at, let's see, growth within Pinterest or Instagram, and let's say I'm my Clapping Dog Media business brand is growing and growing and growing on Instagram, but I'm only talking about sandwiches and dogs, there's mm. going to be incongruency there. They want to see that your brand is growing across the internet and that it's consistent. Otherwise it feels a little bit inauthentic and scammy. So. You need to be consistent across your whole brand and so that that way they can know who you are and what you're about and categorize you as such.
0: Wow. I love that. What can you tell us about building your personal brand? So not always, you, you mentioned that we don't want to be talking about sandwiches and dogs on say, our <laughs> Instagram and I think that's, I think that's great. But we're trying to build that know, like, and trust factor as well. From an SEO perspective, what is the percentage of time that we should be talking about our brand without just boring our audience and not really showing our personality and having our audience know, like, and trust us for who we are?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a really really great question. You know, I try to live by the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. So that I I definitely post pictures of my family. You know, there's the dog is in my name. So I definitely have some pictures of my dog (laughs) in my my Instagram. Um, But then what I I like to do, especially in terms of social, and this is a little bit different than my content marketing strategy. But in terms of social, I have five things that I typically write about. Mm -hmm. They are SEO tips, SEO strategy. I do quotes. I talk about health and wellness because that's something that's important to me. And then I talk about my family. Now, the majority of the time I do SEO tips and case studies and statistics related to SEO. But, you know, maybe once a week I'll do a picture of the family or some, something about a health and wellness, something mm. that I might be into at that time. I love that. So it, it, I try to do an 80-20 rule because I absolutely want to be relatable and fun, especially on my, my personal mission is to make SEO relatable and understandable and take away that patronizing air that mm-hmm. can be around SEO. So that, that is one thing that I, I think is super important for my brand and for other brands is just to be relatable.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Because people connect with us as, mm-hmm. as people before they even connect with us as business owners. You know, they want to know that the person that they're doing business with aligns with their values is, you know, the kind of people that they want to hang around. So, I think that that's a, a really great tip there. So, what factors can you give us that is going to help us be found and Mm -hmm. also to attract customers. I mean, the very first thing I heard was that we need to be super clear with our message. And I guess I just wanted to touch on that in a different way. That's what I was picking up, that if we're not very clear on our message and who our target market is, obviously people aren't going to be able to find us. What other tips can you give us to have us be found and attract the right people?
1: Absolutely. I'm going to give you quite a few here.
0: Yes, Yes, I love this. (laughs)
1: So there's a lot of things that I think would serve us well if we understand how Google works just a little bit better. And one of the first things I like to tell people is that Google reads your site in a very similar way that we typically read newspapers. They start at the top, they read the title, they go to the navigation, and then they read the headlines. Or when you're creating a blog post or a page, you have the ability to put like an H1 or an H2 or an H3. And those are really important to use because Google reads those, literally, they give priority to those on the page. So it's really important. Let's say you're writing whatever your post is about, that you put that main idea in in those headlines because Google will read it like a newspaper. It'll read your headlines and then it goes back up to read the content. So my first tip is to have whatever your page is or whatever your blog post is about, have it about one really great topic and put keywords or very clear headlines, make your headlines very clear because Google's going to read those first. My next tip is I highly recommend that you write a lot about your topics, so for me, for example, I read a lot about SEO, SEO tips and strategies and Google Analytics and content marketing. And so I recommend that you create landing pages. These are like, I have a landing page just for SEO and social media on my website. And on this landing page, I have just a couple of paragraphs that explains the relationship between SEO SEO. And social media and then I also reference all of the blog posts that I have written about it mm-hmm. and these landing pages are super important for many reasons and what they do is they kind of hack and that's such a negative word but mm-hmm. they they take advantage of Google's factors that they really care about when Google is looking at the analytics for your site they want to make sure that your site's actually good and it's, mm-hmm. it's good to refer to people so if a user is spending a lot of time on a website, if they're clicking around on multiple pages within a website, and they're not immediately leaving, they're not bouncing off a website. Those are three really high-ranking factors that Google takes into account. And these are factors that don't ever that don't change very often. Because they tell Google that the site is good, that it has good content, and other people need to know about this website. So kind of back to our landing page, if you go back to the the idea of having a landing page for one of your main topics, such as SEO and social media, if I have multiple links on that page, people are gonna link around and read my blog posts. So that's right there is a factor for Google that it likes. Also, it means that people are not bouncing away from my site and going back to the Google search page. So that's also really good. And, it's, and it causes people to spend more time on my website. So increased dwell time is what that's called. And those are three, like I said, three really high factors that Google cares a lot about. So whenever you're thinking about creating content or structuring a new website, I really encourage you to think about those things because they're kind of basic they make sure that your content is really good and that you're providing a lot of value for the user. And Google also really cares about that. So when you can work together, when you can get all of that kind of working together without a lot of effort, you're going to rank really well on Google.
0: Nice. Now you've mentioned keywords in there quite a lot. Can you, for those people that don't even understand what keywords are, can you just give us a quick explanation of what they are?
1: Keywords, you can think of keywords like the bridge that connects your website with Google. Mm-hmm. So, when whenever somebody enters in, you know, a query within Google, those keywords are what the first thing that Google looks for to kind of match up on your website, to kind of bridge that gap. Now, um, I do a lot of keyword research. Keyword research is interesting because you there's lots of tools out there that will tell you like the volume of searches for specific words. So for example, it's nearly impossible to rank on the first page for a keyword of photographer, because Mm -hmm. there's 18 million photographers out there, probably more than that. Mm -hmm. But if you dig down and you do some research, you could probably rank really high for a more specific keyword, such as natural light photographer in Boston, Massachusetts. You know, I just kind of made that up. But if you can dig down really tightly with those keywords, the volume will be less, less people will be searching for that specific keyword. And the competition, there won't be as many other photographers who will be competing for natural light and in that location.
0: So it's about thinking outside of the box, it sure is. How do we even, and I, I actually get this question a lot, and I'm glad that I've got you here because I can ask you this because I don't know the answer. Uh-huh. How do we even know what people that are in our target market are typing into Google? How do we even know where to begin to understand what those keywords are? That's a great question, and I have a great tool. I, yes. It's called,
1: <laughs> I use this wonderful tool, and I love it. It's called kwfinder.com. And that stands for Keyword Finder. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay a monthly subscription for it to have unlimited searches. But the free version, I think, lets you have 20 searches a day. Oh, wow. Yep. So you can narrow down the location. So it doesn't matter where in the world you are. You can narrow down your location. And then you can type in keywords that you want to be found for. And not only will they tell you how the volume and competition is, but they'll, they'll it'll also show you right on that same screen what other websites, what other pages are ranking high for that keyword. So you can kind of see what the competition is.
0: So am I hearing that you start off with something that's super Simple. So if it was a coach, they would just put in, you know, health coach and start there and just start going down the rabbit hole and seeing what it is that's coming up and, and making notes. That's exactly
1: right. And it's all changing a little bit. You know, my advice for keywords one or two years ago is different than it is now because of semantic or voice search. Voice search is changing how we use Google and how we search for things it's been kind of, it's been proven that the way we talk is way different than the way we write or the way we type. And so what Google has had to adapt to that. And so keywords and being narrowed in on a topic and being known for specific words is extremely important. And that's never really going to go away. But Google is being much more lenient these days with related or relevant keywords. So let's go back to the photographer example. If you are known for natural light photographer in Boston, Google is not going to, if somebody searches for a photographer in Boston or a different, I can't think of a word on (laughs) on demand, but um, outside photographer in Boston. If it's a related keyword, Google's going to find you that for that as well.
0: Okay, so it doesn't necessarily need to be that exact word that Google actually understands that people could be typing in different words. Yes,
1: they can. They sure can. It, it sure can. And you you have seen this in action when you start typing things into the Google search bar and it tries to it tries to think for you. You know what I mean? It like, yeah, yes,
0: where it starts to fill it in for you as you're typing yeah. a word.
1: That's exactly right. That's what it's constantly trying to do. Trying to think about really, you might be typing this, but
0: I think you might really mean this.
1: Basically, that user intent is what Google is pretty good at.
0: Yeah, cool. All right. So you've given us a couple of tips there about the way that Google reads the page using the H1H2H3 tags, using keywords and writing about your topics. So there's some great things that we can do in our site can we flip that on its head? What are some of the things on our website that might be preventing people from finding us? What are some mm. of the, the usual mistakes that you see?
1: You know, there's a number of things that are typically found, that are typically the problem. Um, one of the first things that I always look for is the presence of a site map. In there's this thing called Google Search Console and it's a it's basically a website that google goes to it's associated with your website and at the google search console there is a couple of really key documents that that is stored there just for search engine purposes and the first one is a sitemap and basically the sitemap tells the google crawlers or the google spiders what pages they can expect on your website mm-hmm. so it crawls the sitemap and then it goes over to your website. Now, if they match up, everything is wonderful and you have authority and they trust you. But if on your sitemap you have say 12 pages, but on your actual site you have 175 pages, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there and Google doesn't know which one to trust more. So they need to match up, they need to be talking to each other and your sitemap, so your sitemap is one area where there's typically things that are not done properly that could be fixed, and that we need to kind of hook those up. Um. Also, a lot of people don't even have a sitemap in the search engine console, so that's kind of the first thing that we that we look for.
0: Well, that was my first question, actually. Like, <laughs> how does this mm-hmm. sitemap even get there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great question. And typically, and I, you know, I use that that word loosely. The developers of your site have put it there, so it's. I would expect most developers to do that, but that's not always the case.
0: So we're able to go into search, the Google search console and have a look to see whether our sitemap matches our website.
1: That's exactly right. That's one of the very first things I check, I check for. And then the second thing is another little file that again is that most developers put up there and it's called a robots file. And this is the little thing that um, where webmasters tell Google, hey, here's my website, but hey, don't, you don't need to crawl WordPress admin, for example. Even though it's all hosted at the same place, this is an area where we get to tell the site, tell Google not to crawl specific pages. So we always tell Google, don't crawl the admin. Also, if you have a membership site, lots of times there's pages behind some sort of paywall so that's where you go when you tell Google, hey, don't crawl these pages either because they are, you know, permission-based. Mm-hmm. And so that is another thing that sometimes is not uploaded in the search console that really does help Google out, gives Google more, it gives your site more authority. And frankly, it takes time away. Well, when you don't have those, that takes time away that Google has allotted for searching and crawling your site. It has to kind of figure out what's what you've taken time away from actually crawling the good pages on your site that is filled with those rich keywords.
0: Yeah. Is there a problem with putting too many keywords in our site or in our content?
1: Well, my answer is no. I mean, we would, you want to be found for as many words as possible. So, you know, it is not uncommon for some of my clients to be found for 20, 10,000, 20,000 plus keywords. Mm -hmm. And that's great because the more keywords that you are found for, the more opportunity you're going to have for organic traffic, the Mm -hmm. more opportunity you're going to be found. You're going to have to be found. So my first answer is no, but I, I kind of got a hint that you might be alluding to something called keyword stuffing, yeah. which is where you, you write really weird sentences that, so that you could just put keywords in them. Like every other word is sounds like a keyword and it just sounds really awkward. And so the density of those keywords is could be really high. And that is definitely something that you get pinged for by Google. Google doesn't like that. They'd like to have A keyword density, so to speak, of 3 to 5% of what you've indicated as your focus keyword.
0: I love that. You've given us a lot of examples and a lot of tips on how we can really optimize our websites. What is the one thing that you want to leave us with in regards to this? For anyone that's heard this episode, and they've got all of these fantastic tips and, and techniques that you've shared with us today. What's the one thing that you want to leave them with on this topic?
1: The one thing that I want to empower your listeners with is that SEO does not have to be overwhelming or scary, and you can own the power behind this Google search. There's a 4 billion people searching a day on Google, so your audience. Your paying audience is on it. You just need to harness that power, and it does not have to be overwhelming, it does not have to be crazy expensive. And it does not have to be too much. So my encouragement to you is that you can do it, that you should do it, and that your audience is there. They're out, they're actually looking for you right now.
0: They absolutely are. That's where everyone is. They're sitting in front of their their keyboards or even these days, mostly sitting on their phones, looking at mm-hmm. this stuff. So they're they're out there waiting to have their problems solved. Now I believe you've got a free gift or a, a challenge to help people to integrate what we've talked about today.
1: I sure do. I'd like to put my words behind where my mouth is or whatever that be.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have a challenge that's on my website. It's a 5-day challenge where each day I take you through one easy five to 10 minute thing that you can do on your website that will increase your findability. It will better your relationship with Google. And so if you go to my website, clappingdogmedia.com, there's a big button right on the homepage to enter the challenge. So I recommend that you do that and you get your site found for the new year.
0: Totally. I thoroughly recommend everyone do that. We'll pop that link on the show notes page as well. But Meg, it's been so wonderful to have you here today joining us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab and we hope to have you back one day.
1: Oh, great. I appreciate it very much. It's been great to be with you.
0: Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth, and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.